And welcome into another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Right now, it's Billy Embody and Sonny Ship joining you to talk a little bit of LSU spring ball, move on to the recruiting side of things from the spring game. And we have a special guest joining the podcast later, LSU quarterback commit TJ Finley caught up with Sonny to talk about his recruitment, his status with the Tigers and the spring game. We'll have that for you later on in the podcast. And then we'll round things out with going over the new 2021 Top 247 that was just released on Tuesday afternoon. Sonny, thanks for joining the pod, man. Yeah, man. Always a good time to get together and uh, talk a little Tigers. And, and speaking of the Tigers, they wrapped up their spring game on Saturday. Purple team takes the win over the white team 17-7 to inside Tiger Stadium. The weather hung on for you guys over there. Uh, what were some of your initial thoughts coming off the spring game? Well, all eyes were on the offense, uh, wondering what type of offense fans were going to get to see, what kind of offense the staff would, would unleash. And, and I think there were a lot of positives that you saw from it. Uh, the first thing that jumped out to me was how comfortable the quarterbacks looked in the offense. Uh, they both made quick decisions. Uh, we expected that from Joe Burrow. It was good to see that from Miles Brennan. And uh, they threw the ball, I think they threw the ball relatively well. The receivers, we saw an expanded route tree. We saw shorter, quicker passes, passes to the running backs. And one of the interesting things that TJ Finley told me when I spoke with him was that fans saw about 10% of what they've been working on this spring behind closed doors when the media is ushered out of practice and in the closed scrimmages. So that was that was something else that, that, that really jumped out at me. But overall, I liked what I saw from the offense, and I think you can see some direction that they want to go. And they actually look like they're, they look like they're on the same page, and it looks like that Steve Ensminger and Joe Brady, the new passing game coordinator, it looks like those two are going to mesh really well together. Yeah, I completely agree with you. That was that was a big thing for me seeing seeing Miles Brennan really settle in, had a high per completion percentage, um, which you know you can you can take away you know oh well that well that was checkdowns or that was this or that, but you know that that really is a big deal because he looked poised, he looked comfortable, and and that's something that you can uh, in this watered down offense for the spring game you can kind of take away and and kind of point towards the future. I, I thought the running back rotation. Um, with Chris Curry getting a chance to show some good things. Clyde edwards Elayer outside of his uh, fumble, you know, I thought played well, uh, too. And then Leonard Fournette even uh, had 14 carries by the end of the day. And, and, and so that was, that was all good to see. Uh, what do you think of some of the running back uh, production that you saw on, on Saturday? Well, everybody's been talking about when Tyrion Davis and John Emery, a pair of 2019 signees, Everyone's been talking about when they get to campus, who's going to be the first one to take over, how many carries are they going to get, and have kind of put Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, more so Chris Curry and Leonard Fournette, though, kind of put them in the background and not really talking about them as much. I think Chris Curry served up a notice that said, I can run in the SEC. He, he made some physical runs. He had some nice cutbacks. I thought Leonard Fournette ran the ball well, too, and – like you said, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he did fumble the ball, but you can see that he's going to be a big weapon in the receiving game. I think LSU's running back core, when you look at when you look at what you have with the three 
who were there in the spring, plus the two that you have coming in in the fall. It's going to be a I think it has the chance to be a really good a really good, deep and talented running back room. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and the talent coming in, like you mentioned, you know, this fall is or this summer is is a big deal. And um, but it was nice to see those guys get some things uh, done on the on the field. I thought uh, one thing for me was was D. Anderson showing that flash. Um, he got open over the middle, went for forty one yards. Some of the wide receivers, you know, Justin Jefferson uh, had a ten yard touchdown pass uh, reception. So all of those things were really good in a in a game that. Uh, the offense wasn't really necessarily trying to show a lot of that passing game. Yeah, and you could see you could you could see how much they want to utilize Stephon Sullivan in the receiving game. And I'm not really buying the whole the whole you know calling him a tight end because he's basically LSU's basically running four wides when they have him on the field. And I think he's going to be I think he's going to be a big weapon right there. He did have he did have some drops. And you have to wonder, you have to wonder at some point, is D. Anderson going to get some reps at that position? Because size-wise, there's not a big difference size-wise right there. And if Sullivan continues to have some issues dropping the ball, I would not be surprised at all to see D. Anderson getting reps at that position just to get another big body on the field and to be able to go with – that's a pretty dangerous foursome. If you have Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall – and then a Stephon Sullivan or a D. Anderson, even a Racy McMath, all of those guys played receiver in high school. Most of those guys have played receiver. So they all came to LSU as a receiver, played receiver early on in their career. Obviously, Sullivan and McMath got a little bit of time at tight end last year, but neither of those, neither of that last three is a true tight end. So I think you're gonna see, I think you're gonna see a lot more spread. And I think you're going to see LSU start to utilize some of these playmakers that they have at wide receiver that in past years we were scratching our heads saying, okay, when are these guys going to get the ball? When are these guys going to get the ball? I think that time is going to be in 2019 and it couldn't come at a better time. Well, it's something that, that we've been waiting on to, to see for a long, long time now. And um, CD Anderson break out, see Stephon Sullivan break out. Uh, I, I'm with you on that. I think um, Joe Brady's impact on the offense and, and how they use different body types at receivers. So like we've seen Sullivan split out um, and, and heard about that. Uh, that's kind of an example there that, that he can uh, add in terms of the offense, um, you know, having a little bit of versatility with some of his personnel. Uh, the personnel on the offensive line uh, struggled at times and, and especially in pass protection uh, in the spring game. What did you, what did you see kind of from, from that group? Yeah, for about, the, for about a quarter, maybe a quarter and a half, I actually thought that the offensive line did a fairly did a fairly decent job. I thought that they that Austin Deculus looked a little bit better protecting the edge, but then you started to see about midway through the second quarter and the third quarter and the fourth quarter is that Dave Aranda started doing some different things. He started doing having his edge rushers give a, give give an outside fake, do some inside moves. That gave Austin Deculus all kind of troubles. And then they started to blitz. They started to do a little bit, a little bit different things with the blitzes, and that really gave the offensive line trouble. So I think the interior of the offensive line with Lloyd Cushenberry at center, Damian Lewis at right guard, Adrian McGee at left guard, 
you know, especially if you throw Ed Ingram in there for the 2019 season, if he gets things situated and he is reinstated, like there's a lot of, uh, seems to be a lot more positive talk about that happening than it has been. I think the interior of the line is going to be fine. Sadiq Charles, I, I, to me, he looked a little bit better. He moved a little bit better on that left side. I'm still not sold that he's a left tackle. I think in a perfect in a perfect situation, you would want him at right tackle if he has to play tackle. But Austin Deculus, to me, he just continues to struggle. He just doesn't have the foot speed. He doesn't have the quickness to be able to protect the edge. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't drop another 10, 15, possibly even even 20 pounds before the before the start of camp, you have to think that that's going to be the that that's going to be the one position that they're going to really have to try to experiment with, because I think that the right side was was probably the most problematic area in 2018, and right now it looks like that right edge is going to be the same thing. Yeah, you, you you bring up some good points there with the offensive line, especially adding in Ed Ingram there. I think the interior will be uh, right up there in terms of especially the conference with with uh, quality and and um, guys that can really really uh, hold their own and and take over a game on that interior. Sadiq Charles has been called the most improved offensive lineman on the team, and 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 we saw a lot of that uh, you know in the spring game, and so. Um, they'll still have some things to work out and, and all that along the offensive line. But uh, the benefit of having this quick passing game that LSU's brought out is huge. Um, the, some of the issues that they had is, is certainly some of the talent that, that Dave Aranda has at his disposal off the edge. Um, but flipping over to the defensive side, I thought Apuaika and Tyler Shelvin had two really impressive performances at, at nose tackle in the spring game. Yeah, I, I think nose tackle is going to be fine. I think they're going to be fine at nose tackle with those two guys. And let's say, let's say you're running seventy plays. Let's say the opposition's running 70, 75 plays. If you can get if you can get a solid thirty to thirty five out of each one of those guys, and plus have and plus with the different packages that LSU's going to run, they're going to be a nickel a lot. And usually when they're a nickel, they're sliding that nose tackle out to where you've got you've got a four man front. I think LSU will be just fine right there once those two youngsters. Tyler Shelvin looks, to me, the best physical shape that he has been in since he's been at LSU, maybe going back to his freshman year of high school. He uh, you know, he still has a little bit to go, but he, to me, he has made major strides in that department. And Ike has made some strides since he's gotten LSU. I think he has. I think he still probably has about another 20 to 25 to go to be in, in prime optimal shape. But those two, I'm not concerned about those two. If the defensive line can stay healthy with Richard Lawrence, Braden Fajoko flanking either one of those big nose tackles, then you have Neil Farrell, you have Glenn Logan on that on that second team. That's a solid six-man rotation that LSU has struggled to come up with in recent years. And then you toss in you toss in a Justin Thomas. You toss in you toss in Sony Fanua, the junior college signee from the 2019 class. Who I think has, if he comes in at 280, 280, 285 pounds, I think he's a guy who's going to get a lot of playing time next year. Just looking at his film and and hearing so much about his work ethic, I think the defensive line is going to be fine. There's really not an area that I'm concerned with on the LSU defense, and a big reason for that 
is Derek Stingley has emerged and he he has clearly clearly taken the reins over for that for that uh, starting cornerback spot opposite of Christian Fulton. And so to me, there's really there's really not a big concern that I have on that defensive side of the ball. And you have to have all the faith in the world in Dave Aranda that he, that that the struggles that the defense may have had this spring is not going to be there in 2019 once they get everybody healthy and get everybody back. Not to mention Caleb on chase on it uh, back as that premier pass rusher that they lacked last year. Yeah, they, they were missing some of their their key guys like like. Chass on like like Richard Lawrence uh, on that defense and, and Christian Fulton as well. Uh, you, you hit the nail on the head on Derek Stingley. I don't think there's anybody else that'll be taking that that starting spot from him. I, I you know Kelvin Joseph uh, showed well as a true freshman and and all of that, but uh, Derek Stingley is just on another level, and and that's something that we've been saying I think for a long time that that he's your he's your day one starting corner once he walks on campus and he's. Um, been everything that everybody has talked up um, in, in terms of his his ability to come in right away and, and be productive and and that allows when you have Fulton coming back and you have Stingley there and you have Kelvin Joseph still and then you have Grant Delpit and some of those other guys on the back end Jacoby Stevens in that quarter safety role that he's been in that allows Dave Aranda to get really creative with with some of his packages for the front seven so you might have uh, more speed guys playing that down defensive end, those down defensive end positions. And then you have Chasson playing off the edge and Michael Divinity in the middle and Patrick Queen and Jacob Phillips and, and all those different guys. It just allows them so much flexibility defensively. Yeah. And when you, when, obviously when you lose a guy like Devin White, one of the, probably one of the, one of the top three to four linebackers in LSU history when you when you go down that 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 long list of talented backers LSU's had like a Brady James, a Trev Falk, Eric Hill, Ron Sancho, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of big time linebackers that have come through the program. So replacing a guy like Devin White is never easy. But I think inside when you have Jacob Phillips, you have Patrick Queen, Michael Divinity, you have some versatility with Queen, with Queen and Divinity to try to figure out the best position to, you know, to get everyone on the field. Then you look at the other at, at the outside linebacker spot. You know, Andre Anthony had a good spring. You're getting Caleb on Chase on back. Ray Thornton didn't play in the spring game. There's a lot of capable guys at linebacker who are going to be able to come in and and who are going to be who are going to be counted on and who are going to be who are going to be big time players. And not to mention when you talk about moving Grant Delpit and even Jacoby Stevens down into the box like they did last year, that's a really that can be a really formidable front seven, front eight in certain situations. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and and I think now we've covered the spring game pretty well. Unless you have anything else to add on it, uh, I think we should flip over to what was a huge, huge recruiting weekend, don't you? Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, what were your thoughts on special teams? You know that 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 was the one that was the one thing that I guess if there was a question that people had coming in, it was going to be okay. It, who's who's going to kick in the spring, and is that just a placeholder until Cade York gets there uh, this summer? You know, I, I was kind of I, I was uh, I, I was impressed, not necessarily with 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 kicks that he made, but that the confidence that the staff seems to seems to be gaining in Avery Atkins, 
you know, he was the first guy out there on extra points. Uh, we know about the big leg that he has on kickoffs and how big of a weapon he is with more than 90% of his kickoffs last year going for touchbacks. So, you know, I'm anxious to hear what you, you know, what, what are your thoughts on special teams going into this season? I think the the concern for me with Atkins potentially being the 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 true uh, you know field goal guy is is his style is sometimes um, I would say inconsistent. He's he's got a very different way of doing it, and how that consistently can translate into a game environment would worry me a little bit, um, which is why I do think Cade York's certainly going to have a chance to to win it, win the job right out, right off the bat. Um, and, and I think for the most part, the, the, that worked out for LSU last year. You know, you had Cole Tracy, of course, who was great and everything like that. And, and I'm not expecting Cade York to come in and be Cole Tracy, but splitting the duties kind of allowed those guys to work and re- perfect them a little bit more so than they might normally have. Um, so I, I think it, with Derek Stingley, I think he's the, probably the punt returner, maybe Jamar Chase. I'd like to see them get some more explosive guys back there on kick return um, and try to break one here and there. Um, punters, you know, you're, you're set there with Von Rosenberg. So I, I, I like special teams. I'm, I'm with the improvement that we saw in 20, 2018, I'm just going to trust Greg McMahon. Like a lot of people tend to trust Dave Aranda to get it right and make the, put the guys in the right position to be successful on special teams because last year they were, they were outstanding. That was one of LSU's, really biggest surprises uh, last year with special teams. Are you like me now to where you kind of have Connor Culp circled as a guy who could potentially transfer before, before fall camp rolls around? Yeah, I could, I could see that. I I think um, if he wants an opportunity to really, really, um, you know, showcase this stuff, I think that's probably the more natural move for him would be to transfer. Does he, that's, uh, that's going to be interesting. He could be a guy that, ends up going through camp and then transferring. But um, obviously that'll certainly play out. But yeah, I mean, with Avery Atkins, the way he emerged a little bit um, and he was given more and more and more opportunities to win that job, it it does seem like they're looking uh, away from Connor Culp more than anything. Yeah, that that that's kind of what I was thinking too. You know, he kicked and he kicked in 2017. Obviously, he redshirted last year, so he still got three. So he still has three years to play three and with the way that the NCAA is now is just grant transfer after transfer to where college football has basically become a free agent market. Now you have to think that you have to kind of look at some of those schools, maybe closer to his home in Arizona, university of Arizona, Arizona state, some, you know, some schools out West to see if they have some opportunities for, for kickers, because it seems like all someone has to do is say, I mean, they can they can make up an illness for a parent. They can they they can basically say they're homesick, and the NCAA is going to grant their transfer to go through. So I think he's a guy that, for me, I don't know I don't know if he makes it to fall camp. Just from the standpoint, it seemed pretty obvious that 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 Avery Atkins had had emerged, like you said, as as maybe passing Culp up with his opportunities in the spring game. And so I'm almost at the point now to where it's like, okay, if you're caught, do you start looking for places to where they need a kicker? And do you just go ahead and get that ball rolling to where you can get in there during the, you can get in there during the, during the summer 
kind of work your way up the depth chart if there is a depth chart, and then be there for the start of fall camp. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think now let's let's shift a little bit to uh, the recruiting side of things, a massive recruiting weekend for LSU. Let's start with the big news. Uh, LSU landed Jaden Averett, uh, top 247 athlete, can play outside linebacker, can play tight end, but uh, LSU likes him at outside linebacker. Sonny, what uh, you were all over this one? What was what was your your take on the commitment and and kind of what else you got in uh, Jaden? Yeah, I, I saw Navarrete at the SPE Elite Camp uh, that first weekend in February when he came down to Louisiana, spent a week. Uh, he went to the camp, and first thing that jumps out at you is his size. Uh, he he's if he's not six foot three, he he's definitely in that six foot two, six foot two and a half range. Solid 230, maybe 235, like his like his profile on 24/7 Sports says, but a frame to where I could see him easily getting up to getting up to 250 or so. He doesn't have a his his body is not real toned up, but it's not sloppy in the least. It just looks like a guy who hasn't really been you know been in a in a very big strength and conditioning program or hasn't really taken it to the to the full effect. But as far as his as far as his ability to get off the edge, I think he's got very good quickness. You look at his film from his junior highlights, I think the first two plays are of, are of him as a tight end and he absolutely destroys the uh, the defenders that he's blocking. So he's going to bring that physical mindset to the table. He's a very bright kid. Uh, you can tell he he's educated. He's very well spoken, and so you know he just seemed to me he seems like the type of kid that you get him into your program, and you you open his eyes to all of these resources, to all of these tools that are available, and he's going to take advantage of them. And and he's not the only player from California to, to really be impressed by LSU. Jermaine Burton, the top 247 wide receiver, he's number 35 overall prospect in the country. LSU knocked it out of the park for him. Those are his words. They made a major move is what he told Steve Wilpong. Um, what are you, what's your take on where things stand with Burton? And, and is this a guy that, that's now firmly on uh, commitment watch? Well, uh, unless something changes, he's talking about committing on April 20th. And so we should we should find something out here within the next within the next week, week and a half. And just like you said, all reports, all indications straight out of his mouth are are that LSU made a major move that LSU shot up to the top of this list. And, you know, I think this is another one that when you when you when you pick up a commitment like the number one cornerback in the country and Elias Ricks that LSU landed on Christmas Day in 2018, good players want to surround themselves with good players. You know, both of these guys are from California, and I, I think you, I think you're really starting to see kind of the domino effect of what getting a guy like Ricks on board can do for you. But also, perhaps bigger than that, I think what you see, what you're seeing with LSU, with them being able to go out into California and to make these waves now, is I think you're starting to see Ed Orgeron be able to put a little more time and a little more focus into recruiting. And I think the reason for that is that he is so comfortable now with the staff that he has surrounded himself with. I think he's comfortable with them on the recruiting trail. I think he's comfortable with them 
as far as as far as the decisions that they're making, as far as the game planning, as far as everything else that goes into to being an assistant coach in a program, and that now he is able to spend a little more time recruiting and not having to worry and and not having to micromanage nearly as much. And so for for LSU to be able to go out there to be able to take advantage of the ties that they have that Bill Bush has, Dave Aranda has, that Ed Orgeron has, and that other members of the staff like Tommy Robinson have, I think you're you know I I, I think there that there are several reasons of why you're starting to see this success that they're having out west. I completely agree. You know, it starts with Ricks. It starts with the staff that that has kind of taken, um, you know, made made Ed Ogeron a little bit more comfortable with with spending more time on recruiting, spending time connecting with with his connections that he has in California. We've seen those pay off already in a big way in this class. Uh, that could continue, you know, for the twenty twenty one class. We'll, we've yet to see, but um, big big move for Jermaine Burton. Another one that that LSU. Uh, made a big move for is is one that's starting to look like he could be jumping on board, and that's Xavion Alford, who's a teammate with uh, Pearland uh, Shadow Creek uh, LSU commitment. Alec Bryant, both were back on campus this weekend uh, as well. Uh, Alford raved about his uh, his visit to me when I when we spoke on the phone about it, and um, just came away really really impressed. The Texas side of 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 LSU's recruiting efforts in the 2020-21 class um, have really been impressive. You've got guys like Lorando Johnson uh, who told Steve Wiltfong that LSU remains at the top of his list after the visit. You've got Prince Dobra, uh, Dorba out of Highland Park who's an outside linebacker that um, he was really impressed with it. And that was his first time on campus. Latrell Neville who's one of the top one, uh, 2021 wide receivers in the country. He was impressed with it, and, and people feel like he's starting to trend towards LSU. And what 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 other notable names really stood out in terms of their reactions and and them making it to campus for you? Well, Brian, you, you had mentioned four star four star defensive end Alex Alec Bryant, Alex Bryant, who's who's going to play outside linebacker at LSU. And you know he had two messages for LSU fans. One was that he's one hundred percent committed to LSU. Doesn't doesn't know why people you know are worried that he may flip, and that comes with any time you go out of state and land a high profile upper echelon player the caliber of Bryant. But his other message was that Alfred's coming with him. You know, he point blank said he's coming with me, and so that has to make you feel good about you know obviously you know one it has to make you feel good about your chances of holding on to Bryant. But two, it's just another way of kind of reiterating where LSU stands with Alfred after that visit. And, you know, when you, when you're able to go in and you're able to get the number 21 player in Texas and the number 22 player in Bryant and Alfred respectively, that's a, that, that's a pretty big haul when you consider Cortland Ford is already in the boat and then also with the other players that they're, that they're recruiting out of Texas. Uh, no, I'm, I'm with you. There, were, there was some concern of, of whether or not LSU's uh, recruiting in, in, in Texas was going to slip after you know they, they had the big hauls with Jamal Adams and other guys like that in recent years. But recruiting, recruiting in Texas, it, it definitely seems like it's on good footing. Yeah, overall successful weekend for for LSU on the recruiting trail. Um, probably a lot of people would have wanted to see more commitments come out of the weekend, but 
there are guys like Burton who have scheduled commitments. Xavion Alford really seems close to popping um, for LSU. He's canceled a couple future trips, so don't be shocked to see him potentially shut things down um, in the future here. And and they're just overall they're in a, in, in Lorando Johnson too. They're they're overall they're in a really good spot for a lot of players. And um, this weekend was a big part of it. And one more I'll touch on is is Drew Sanders, Oklahoma linebacker commitment. There's a lot of buzz that LSU really knocked it out of the park with him. He's heading back to Oklahoma this weekend for a visit. He wants to really see see Norman again. He's been committed there for well over a year now. Um, that's big in in terms of you know how that potentially affects you know where he see th- sees things uh, working out. But I know that. Uh, you know, he's the son of a coach, and, and and if you want to play defense and be a successful defensive player, a lot of people would, you know, naturally say, okay, go to go to LSU and play for Dave Aranda, and, and that's the little bit of buzz I've heard coming out of, of his camp, and, and we're still kind of playing phone tag trying to catch up, but that was what I had heard um, as of this morning, uh, as you know, before we recorded, was that they were just really impressed with the, the plan that Dave Aranda would have in place for him. Yeah, if LSU if LSU's defensive line recruiting in this class in 2020, if it can catch up to the status of the outside linebacker recruiting, then then all all areas of concern from a depth perspective will be addressed on that side of the ball. I mean, LSU's outside linebacker recruiting in this class is absolutely fantastic. They're going to have to turn some very good guys away. Obviously, Drew Sanders is not a guy that you turn away, but I think you're going to start to see some, some, you know, some, some four-star linebackers who would like to get on board. They're just not going to be able to take them when you consider you've already got Alex Bryan on board. You have Demon Clowney, and then you have um, – Oh, his name is escaping me, escaping me right now. But you've got another one on board too, and so when you look at when when you look at all that, not to mention uh, Demoy Kennedy out of Alabama, who's been to who's who's been to what seem what seems like every LSU scrimmage that they had this spring, and there's just there's so many guys that they could fill spots with that they're they're just not going to have that much room for, and especially considering how big of a need defensive line is. Yeah, they've they've got to certainly get back on board with with landing some elite defensive linemen in this class. Um, you know, especially now that Cameron Jackson looks like he might be taking a look at playing offensive tackle now, and and really giving that a, a serious consideration. You've got Jordan Berry on board. Uh, you know, heading into the summer, you've got to believe that they're going to be pushing for Jacoby and Guillory to get back on board. He wasn't able to make it to the spring game. Jalen Lee is a name to certainly watch, um, and 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 Jaquan Roy if they can get. Uh, get him back on board. Uh, that would be huge as well. There's a lot of in-state guys that are still right at the top of the list. Uh, you know, to land on that defensive line uh, class, and they need him desperately in this one. But um, I think we've touched on recruiting enough at this point in the podcast. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with our interview with LSU quarterback commitment T.J. Finley. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Not going to make you wait any longer on this one. We're going to throw it right to Sonny Ship and LSU quarterback commitment TJ Finley chatting it up after LSU's spring game. Who were who some of the guys that you were really working on? Um, Jermaine uh, Burton. Yeah. Um, I'm working on Raheem Jarrett, Coy Moore, uh, Ja'Kai Douglas, uh, players in that caliber. Mm-hmm. Now, Ja'Kai wasn't there, right? No, sir, he wasn't, but we was texting the whole game. So oh, y'all were texting the whole game? Okay, okay. What was uh, what were you telling him? I was just telling them, you know, to, to watch, you know, what, what we're doing and how we're trying to get, you know, good players and, and open space and with mismatches. And uh, basically how we, you know, try to create one-on-one mismatches by using different routes to, um, you know, get in that predicament. Yeah. You think he's receptive to it? Oh, uh, yes, sir. He, he's definitely listening. I just know he's going to – I know he's gonna wait it out, you know, to the last month, the last moment, because he he realized how, you know, big of a decision this is for not only him but for his family. And you know, he you know just want to do what's best for his family. So I understand. Right. 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 How about uh, how about Burton? What was your uh, what was your take on him? Um, you know, he he was very interested in the offense, and um, you know, me and him talking, and we've been talking via Twitter. And, you know, in person, when he came up there this uh, past weekend, and uh, he was just, you know, loving all of it. He loved the experience. He loved the people that was there. You know, he, he loves, you know, just everything. He loved the atmosphere. So, I mean, you know, I feel like he, he, he plus to our 2020 commitments. Did, like, from what you've been seeing, like, in scrimmages and things like that, did they keep things pretty close to the vest on the offense yesterday? I mean, was it pretty vanilla? Yeah, it was very vanilla. Um, what y'all saw yesterday was was probably ten percent of what they're gonna run during the season. When y'all, you know, and y'all saw them come out four wides, go trips, and with a single and stuff like that. You know, y'all saw that, but you know, y'all didn't really see the concepts that they're really trying to get into, and nor have the RPOs that they, you know, that I know they're gonna run. They didn't run yesterday. It's just, you know, they they brought it out a little bit just to show how they're trying to create mismatches and get, you know, a lot of receivers. Uh, one-on-one chances and stuff like that to shine uh, to be able to you know get to the next level and good stuff there from Sonny and TJ appreciate him jumping on the podcast with us Sonny what what were some of your takeaways uh, from talking with TJ and and he's got a visit coming up this weekend um, to a big 12 program uh, to, to take in their spring game yeah he's one of LSU he's one of LSU's biggest recruiters outside of the staff right now and so I, I'm not really concerned about an official visit to Kansas. I'm not really that concerned about about where he stands right now with LSU. And the biggest thing that I took out of it was how active he is recruiting for LSU and his thoughts on the offense. You know, when 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 he touched on when when he said that fans basically saw about 10% of what they worked on this spring. I think that has to get fans even more excited when they take what they saw from the spring game 
and they start looking into their crystal ball and start thinking about, okay, what is this offense going to look like come September? We'll transition to the future now of LSU recruiting the 2021 class, some of LSU's potential targets, getting their rankings uh, updated by 24-7 with our initial top 247. Uh, Chris Hilton jumps off the board at me, uh, ends up as the number 15 overall prospect in the country and the number one player in Louisiana out of Zachary. He's got it all. He's got some production. He's got incredible testing numbers and, and poised for a big junior season. Uh, Sonny, what were some of your takeaways on on the, the new rankings? Yeah, I, I don't think there was a lot of suspicion as for who was going to be the top-ranked player in Louisiana. We felt for a while now that that was going to be Chris Hilton. And, you know, there's never a shortage of receivers in Louisiana. You go down, you look, uh, Teddy Knox, he has a spot in the, uh, you know, he came out as with a spot in the top 247 as a four-star. Amani Watkins, a versatile athlete, plays some running back, catches the ball pretty well, plays defense. You know, he's a guy who could end up at receiver at the next level. And so there's there's not a uh, there's there's not a shortage of those positions that all at Louisiana always seems to have the receivers and, and the defensive backs. The one area that you would have liked to seen a few na- a few names emerge at is on the offensive line, and uh, you know that's going to be a that's going to be an area that that LSU is is going to have to go out of state for again in 2021. But you do have a uh, you do have a premier defensive lineman in Mason Smith, who I think is going to be he he's going to be really big time. Yeah, I'm with you on Mason Smith. Just getting to a look at him moving around at the opening uh, in New Orleans, he doesn't he doesn't have too much bad weight. I would say. I mean, he almost looks like. He could play offensive tackle if he really wanted to with just some of his size. And, and he's already one of the top defensive linemen in, in Louis. He is the top defensive lineman in Louisiana, one of the top in the country. Um, Sage Ryan, another name that jumps off the charts out of LCA. LSU's put an offer on the table. He's got ridiculous testing numbers. Uh, he's been productive and um, somebody that I would think uh, down the line here relatively soon, if you're looking for a first 2021 commitment, wouldn't shock me if it was Sage Sage Ryan. No, no, not not when you not when you're in the in the Falk family tree. Uh, Kevin Falk, Trev Falk, we know about their ties to LSU, and with with Sage Ryan right there, right there in Lafayette, I, I agree with you. I think he's a guy that would not be shocked at all if he was that first 2021 commit. And and wrapping it up, do you do you see any guys off the top of your head that that could jump right into the the top two four seven? As it it won't be updated for a while, but I, I could I can see you know potential potential guys jumping in. Yeah, I, I I think I think there's I think I actually think that there's several guys who you know who who could find their way jumping in. But the good thing about it is that. You know, there's a lot of time right now. College coaches can't even can't even call these 2021 kids. They can't make official offers until September 1st. And so there's plenty of time. And over these coming months, spring evaluation period gets cranked up on on uh, April 15th. Then you have you'll have six weeks where the coaches are on the road. They're going to they're going to identify more guys. Uh, more offers will start going out. Then before you know it, the camp season is going to be right here upon us. 
Yeah, all of that is is a is a good point, and and there's plenty of time for us to get out and evaluate these kids along with the coaches. The, the coaches will be out there. We'll be out there as spring football gets going, uh, and then into the summer camp season. A lot of these kids have been either sitting behind somebody or are, you know, just total unknown or go to a small school. Well, the spring's coming up. College coaches will be on the road, and so will we. We'll get a, a good look at them as uh, that begins here towards the end of this month and into May. Well, I think we've gone on long enough about spring ball, spring recruiting, and uh, everything with LSU going on right now. So, Sonny, appreciate the time on the podcast, and uh, it was a fun one. Yeah, man, always a good time. and I'm glad we're finally getting these back rolling again on a consistent basis. And, uh, you know, can't wait to see what they're like in the fall when we've got a, got a lot of football to talk. No, man, me, me neither. We'll have more of the Go24 podcast later this week. We'll, we'll get into a little bit more of the basketball side of things. I know people probably want to hear about uh, Will Wade or, or the basketball recruiting, but we're going to see if that can hopefully maybe work itself out one way or the other by the end of this week and then set the stage for what will be a busy month uh, with the staff getting out onto the recruiting trail, seeing, seeing prospects, and then uh, potentially hosting some visitors here as, as the late signing period gets going uh, next week. So uh, look out for that, and we will uh, catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Go 24-7 podcast. Feel free to leave us a review uh, and a rank a rating uh, on the podcast and, and tell us what you like, don't like. But thanks for listening to the pod, and, and we'll talk next time.